An early 24-15 lead over the Celtics. Knicks down to the Pacers, 26-20. Lakers without Anthony Davis, without LeBron James tonight. Oh, and by the way, it just so happens to be a nationally televised game. So as much as we want to say that the rules the NBA's implemented are going to change things, and you're going to see stars out there playing more, it guarantees absolutely nothing. And if you're somebody like LeBron, what are you going to do? You put up a couple middle fingers and say, I'm not playing tonight, I don't have to play, and LeBron doesn't play. And here we are. Guess what I did? What'd you do? I bet the Lakers this morning <laughs> at 10.30. Didn't give it out because um, I figured, okay, so I thought one would miss the game. But I thought one would mm-hmm. go. And, yeah, you know, regardless, I mean, what is it, like 15 and a half, the number moved. But um, it's just, it's, they're, they're not going to be able to crack down on this. Like you said, I mean, because like LeBron James – the league's not going to be able to crack down on LeBron James or Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, because what could you realistically do? You Like you could continue to find these guys. Like we saw, I mean, I know that this has nothing to do with sitting out a game, but we all got a kick out of it the other night. Uh, Ant's post-game interview, cheating ass refs. And, and yeah. it's like, he goes, I'll take the fine. Like, that's the thing. Like if LeBron James doesn't want to play, he's not going to go out there and play. Anthony Davis has made enough money and proved enough in this league with his one championship ring that he doesn't have to go out there, even if it's a nationally televised game. To hell with you, Adam Silver. To hell with you. All right, we go to Neil Greenberg. Oh, go ahead, Trista. Oh, I was just saying, does he? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, I think in the end we realize that this is going to be uh, – it's a never-ending battle in the NBA. And some guys are going to sit out a little bit. Some guys are going to take advantage of it more, but uh, in the end, you just want to get that new TV contract if you're the NBA and make sure you can say, see, our guys play more. Everything's fine. Oh, it's cool. No, no. They'll they'll be out there at least 65 games unless they're really, really, really hurt. All right, Neil Greenberg, Washington Post, jumps on with us now. Before we get into, uh, obviously, the Super Bowl coming up next week, Neil, we got a whole week for that. We've already, as I'm sure you have as well, uh, gone through everything from props across the board to all the specials the uh, the NFL and all these books have to offer. Let's look at the, the coaching hire in D.C. today. The last head coaching vacancy has been filled. Dan Quinn leaves the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive coordinator, the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Your thoughts on that hire for the Commanders? Yeah, I think I mean, it's a good hire, and if it was – if it was the name that everyone was excited about at the beginning of the search, I think that it would have would have been fine. Um, I think the timeline leading up to it is what's going to cause the ownership group some some trouble. I mean, he was obviously not their first choice. I'm not even sure if they were his second choice. Um, but uh, he's done a good job defensively with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he seems to be a better defensive coordinator than head coach just judging by the performance of the teams under those circumstances. Um, but I think now the, the real question is going to be who is the offensive coordinator and what are they going to do with that number two pick? I mean, those are the, the two outstanding questions. But, um, yeah, I mean, Dan Quinn's a, a fine choice. I think a lot of people, myself included, would have thought they went offensive-minded coach. But, you know, here he is. They, they decided to go with a little someone a little more experienced. Yeah, what do you think this means, Neil, for Dallas? Because the defensive coordinators that came before Dan Quinn really were just not good at all. This was one of the worst defenses in the league. Obviously, they've got a lot of personnel to be really good. But what do you think Dallas does now to continue to keep them, you know, a top five defense? Well, it's going to be tough because I think there's going to be some poaching, right? Anytime we see 
these coordinators on either side of the ball get new jobs, um, they typically take some of the people they work with with them. Um, so I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's the players are definitely there, right? I mean, Dallas Cowboys have a lot of defensive players that, that make plays. You know, that's not going to go away. Um, I know Michael Parsons joked that maybe he would go with him. Uh, I think Washington fans would, would love that. Um, but, you know, the talent's certainly there with, you know, Parsons and, and Armstrong and Williams and um, Fowl. I mean, you know, they got a lot of talent on that roster. And, you know, with a lot of its scheme, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do think you have to downgrade Dallas's defense a little bit, at least until we see what they can do without Quinn. Yeah, and Neil, like, I thought that the Washington job – I mean, I still think it's a good job, but I mean, you have the second overall pick, which could be Drake May, maybe Caleb Williams, you know, maybe Jaden Daniels. But the problem is the defensive side of the ball, the pass defense isn't very good. You traded away Sweat and Chase Young, which was the right decision. And then offensively, the offensive line has just been a mess the last couple seasons. So maybe the job isn't as attractive as I thought originally. But, you know, if you make a hire like Dan, you obviously have to get the right offensive mind, as we saw in Atlanta when he had Kyle Shanahan. Is there somebody that you know, you have circled or somebody that you think that they should go after uh, as offensive coordinator because they're probably going to have to get that side of the ball figured out as well. Yeah, I've heard some names like Greasy. I mean, you know, maybe someone that's up and coming, uh, outside the box thinker, innovative thinker. I think that's what you need in the NFL right now. Um, I'm also hearing, like most of you, that Chip Kelly, UCLA coach, might be done with the college ranks and, and is uh, has an interest in – and becoming the Washington's offensive coordinator. Um, you know, that's interesting. That that feels like a Dan Snyder hire, but, you know, I kind of get it. If he's if he's just going to work with the offense, he's not going to obviously be the head coach. He's not going to pick the players. I do think that he can scheme an offense, and that's that's intriguing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are really the only two, two people that I have on the radar right now. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's going to be – Probably the most – I actually think it's the most important hire even before the coach only because, you know, that's how you win this league. I mean, look at the the teams that are are successful in the playoffs, that are appearing in the Super Bowl. You know, they all have elite offenses with quarterbacks and young quarterbacks on, you know, controlled contracts so that they can spend elsewhere. I mean, you know, this – you really do need to hit on this number two pick – at quarterback otherwise I think it sets the franchise back a couple years yeah I think we know in this league if you don't have a good offense you can't win you can say defense wins championships but you got to have good quarterback play you got to have the ability to score a lot of points Neil Greenberg Washington Post jumps on with us here all right let's go ahead and look at the Super Bowl here some some of the we know that at this point right we got two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl we've lost almost some of this week Props have already been bet up quite a bit. It's going to happen a lot more. This will likely be the most watched and the most bet Super Bowl we've ever had in the history of the NFL. And Brock Purdy's been one of the most polarizing topics throughout this entire year, but especially with what happened in the NFC Championship game, Neil. I'm looking at his passing yards down to 242.5, which is certainly a much lower number than what we had against Detroit, which I think it closed around 274.5. Rushing yards at 12.5. He ran the ball really well against Green Bay and against Detroit. Uh, Do you see this as a game where we can see a similar result from Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, or will that Chiefs pass rush make things more difficult for him and maybe limit what he's able to do in the Super Bowl? 
I'm I'm solidly on the under here. I grabbed two forty five and a half passing yards as soon as I saw it. Um, you know, both teams have a pass defense in the top five after you adjust for strength of schedule. Um, historically, there have been 22 other matchups like that in the postseason since 2002. The average passing yards for those quarterbacks is about 218 yards. Um, and my own projection for Purdy is like in the 200s, like the low 200s. So I, I don't think this is going to be a good game for Purdy. Um, that's not to say San Francisco can't win. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't think the two are necessarily mutually exclusive. But um, I, am, I am firmly on the under for Brock Purdy's passing yards in this matchup. You look at the running backs here, and you know it looks like both of these teams are going to look to really lean on the running back, considering that listen, San Francisco's run defense in the playoffs hasn't been good. We saw you know multiple running backs shred this defense in between the tackles. Uh, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs run defense all year hasn't been good. I think twenty third against the run. Christian McCaffrey's number for rushing attempts is nineteen and a half. Juice minus one twenty to the under. Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco's number is 16 and a half, actually juiced to the under minus 130 as well. Uh, is that an automatic play for you? Would you do rushing yards instead? Like, how do you attack the running backs in this game? Well, I think you have to kind of go through the storyline of the game in your head, right? So if you think that um, San Francisco is going to be able to get out to an early lead, then they probably lean on McCaffrey more. If they can't, they're going to have to to figure out something else, and it'll probably be used more as a pass catching back. Um, so I I I think that you know the number is a fair number. I think I think this is where you might try to look at like a single game parlay. I'm usually not a big fan of those because the juice is so high. But you know, again, if you if you think that San Francisco can run away with this, then maybe you look at like an alt line, like minus six and a half or even minus 13 and a half. And then you think McCaffrey's going to get a lot of work, right? And then you're able to, to even look at, you know, some alternative rushing attempt numbers. You know, the rushing yards is tough because, you know, we, we don't know like how – I think the Kansas City run defense is better than it's been given credit for. Um, but I do think the workload will be there. So I'd be much more comfortable looking at the attempts um, and then also adding to that a, a blowout of sorts. You know, when it comes to Super Bowl MVP, usually we look at offensive players. I believe they've won the uh, MVP 47 times, so 81% of the time. Quarterbacks 32 times, which I believe it would be 55% of the time. And then over the last decade, four non-quarterbacks have won the award. If you were going to go, you know, anybody opposite rather than Mahomes or Brock Purdy, would you look at a Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, or anybody on San Francisco's side, or would you just stick with the quarterbacks or the big stars like a Christian McCaffrey here? Yeah, I mean, I think that they'd have to look for an excuse to not give it to a quarterback. Um, you know, Mahomes, as long as he's has a clean game, I think, and, and Kansas City wins, I think he's a shoe-in. Because um, even if, if Kelsey goes off, it could mean that, that Patrick Mahomes is having a really good day, too. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, it's a quarterback award until it isn't. Um, you know, we usually see, like, interceptions is usually – you know, one or two interceptions is usually when they start looking elsewhere on the roster. Um, I think Debo Samuel probably is is a good wild card pick because uh, he he can run the ball. He obviously catches the ball, um, so that's something that that certainly would would make a lot of sense. Um, 
but the you know but Kansas City's pass defense. I mean, they haven't allowed wide receivers to to go off. I mean, especially not the number one wide receivers. So you know that could that could depress some things too. I mean, um, yeah, I think I would stick with the with the two quarterbacks. But if I was looking to you know dabble a little bit, maybe Debo. Um, you know, I, but I think that that's probably as far down the list as I go, um, because I, I don't think even like McCaffrey at what is he like plus five hundred plus four hundred, you know, you have, he'd have yeah. to have like a three touchdown day, I think, to order to, to take the MVP award away from a quarterback. Yeah, McCaffrey's sitting at plus four fifty at BetMGM to uh, to win Super Bowl MVP. So talking to Neil yeah. Greenberg, what is he to like get tonight. two touchdowns? Yeah, and I mean, again, like we know, right, Neil? It's possible. There's certainly that case. And if the pass rush is getting out there and make Brock Purdy's life hell, like there's a chance. But I mean, you're right. It's almost to the point where like it doesn't matter even what the quarterback for the winning team does. They just tend to win MVP. I mean, remember Eli Manning years ago? He, I mean, when they won, I think their second. I mean, I think it threw, threw for like what two twenty, two twenty five, something like that. Where they just kind of give it to quarterbacks no matter what it feels like, right? Yeah, like I said, I think they would have to look for, um, you know, a reason not to give it. And I think you might even get a better price on, like, McCaffrey scoring two touchdowns than you would for him to win any MVP. And, and you know, he probably needs to do that in order to win it. Um, so I might look, you know, for value elsewhere, um, you know, to than the MVP because it's so subjective. Um, you know, you, we've even seen, like, you know, receivers have a pretty decent game, but because it's the quarterback throwing to him, that the quarterback ends up getting it. Yeah, two two touchdowns or more, plus two twenty five, nine to one for three touchdowns, which might be a better look if you think that's what it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think yeah that that's what I think he would need to get. Um, you know, catch a pass, catch a touchdown, rush for a touchdown, have one more, have a hundred yards, so somewhere there. Um, but I, I just think that the three touchdowns for me just seems to make like storyline sense that, you know, it might just be a better use of your resources to take plus 900, um, than to hope he just, you know, somehow has a good game and everyone else has a bad game and he almost wins it by default. You know, it's, it's crazy to think that we're talking about a, some player, any player in general, plus 225 for two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. But this yeah. is where Christian McCaffrey is. Neil Greenberg, Washington Post. Great to talk to you, man. Appreciate the time. All right. Talk to you guys soon. God, I mean, it's just this, this is what I mean, we're looking at a point where like McCaffrey's been like minus 300 to score a touchdown in games. It kind of takes the fun away for a touchdown prop for him. But you know how it is, Trista. We sprinkle a little something on that and a little same game parlay. And that's the only way you get any of that value. A little salt bay, a little salt bay on the damn thing. So, God, it's just wild. All right. Rob Brown in his usual spot with us next. I don't have any idea where this thing's going to go, but it's probably going to get off the rails. It's Pet MGM tonight. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today, guys, about uh, the lack of private jet space at the Super Bowl. Just waiting to see who complains about it first on Twitter. Haven't seen it yet, but at some point, you two, Katy Perry, won't be Taylor Swift. The NFL is going to give her probably a private runway right into the stadium. But at some point, it's going to be a problem in Vegas next week. Just so you know, just get ready for that narrative. 
I'm not following anyone who complains about their private jet not being able to have a parking spot. Like you get an immediate block and an unfollow. If that's what we're doing, then I don't, I'm, I'm off. I'm out. You are now persona non grata to me. All right, T. Nick never answered my question last night. I think mainly because we like started trying on jerseys and forgot. I asked them. Yeah, we got to interview one celebrity. One celebrity at the Super Bowl. You know, not even interview the celebrity. Like you get to hang out with one celebrity. It could be Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake. You know, all the way down to Meryl Streep. Who would it be for you? Billy Bob Thornton. Stop. Really? For real? Yes. I'm so, I'm in like a Billy Bob Thornton phase. And maybe it goes away. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I think he might be the greatest actor of our generation. The range on this man is ridiculous. I've been watching Fargo, which he's in, crushes it. Been watching Goliath, all four seasons, crushes it. He's a different guy in all four seasons based on what has happened to him in the script. He's magnetic while being really scary. He's handsome while not being handsome. I've got so many questions. So many questions. And then him in Vegas? Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So a lot to unpack. This could be the whole show. This could be a podcast. This might be the next heat check when we're in Vegas. So uh, I don't know how long it'll last. Like the Angelina Jolie thing, that didn't last very long. But I get it. Like they were doing things in elevators and sucking each other's blood. And that was hot. But like, if you think, and I think he's a great actor, especially bad Santa and the remake of bad news bears. But if you think he's the best actor of our generation, I beg of you, beg of you, beg of you to watch every Daniel day Lewis film. Now, uh, between the next time that we're all together in studio, whenever that is, but okay. Billy Bob Thornton. That's awesome. Uh, I was not expecting that. Nick, have you came up with your answer, by the way? Because I don't think Rob's here. All, all I see is like The Undertaker down below us. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's actually happening with this. And I think we're just uh, we're, <laughs> right. we're waiting on him to actually be able to get in here. So, you know, even when we leave the studio, this apparently is on Rob, though. So we get to blame Rob when when uh, when that's the case. You know what? I told you. Yeah. I know I told you already last night. Like, I know it's not. It's not an original answer. My original answer was somebody that's no longer with us. You and I both agreed Anthony Bourdain would be incredible if he was there. I love Anthony Bourdain. May he rest in peace. I really want to sit and hang out with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's absolutely fascinating. I understand that a lot of people have talked to him. I understand that he's been everywhere. But I think sitting with him in a just casual hangout conversation would be fascinating because he's – I'm okay with somebody that's willing to push against the norm. I'm okay with somebody that's willing to at least have a debate over things that people think are mainstream. And you know what? He's a Hall of Fame quarterback that's in the public eye that's not afraid to say how he feels. I love everything about that. I don't have to agree with everything somebody says or thinks to want to sit and have a conversation with them. In fact, I prefer to talk to people that have different life experiences, different opinions, and see things differently than me. It makes us much more spread out and open-minded as a society. So give me Aaron Rodgers. I 100% would love to talk to him. All right, all right. I know we brought up, like, Vince Vaughn. I was originally going to say Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, but, like, he's too weird for me nowadays. Like, I I get that he likes young ladies, whatever. Like, 
Yeah, but like I, I feel like he's gonna talk to me about like the environment and going green, which I'm all for, <laughs> but like not at three AM at the club. So uh <laughs> I'm gonna go with my answer would be Tiger Woods. I get to hang out with somebody for twenty four straight hours. We're going to the club together, we're gonna gamble a little bit together, we're having dinner together. I wanna even over Jordan, I wanna be with the ultimate competitor competitor, Tiger Woods. And I want to get in some trouble with Tiger. So that's my final answer. Tiger Woods. Uh, honorable mention for me. You know what? Actually, we'll save that. We'll save that as a tease. We'll save that as a tease we, for later on. Because we got, we got yeah, plenty we'll of time to fill between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that more. But like, who do you guys think has the most juice in Vegas? Who would show us the best time? Billy Walters. Mm. <laughs> is it like Robert is it, De Niro. Uh, is it like Floyd Mayweather? Floyd would be fun, right? How about Dennis Rodman? In fact, take away Tiger Woods. I'm hanging out with It's going to get weird. Yeah. Right? There might be two dragons, if you know the reference. It's going to get real <laughs> weird, but I'm hanging out with Dennis Rodman. I need I have so many questions, man. Being a Bulls fan in the 90s, like Rodman, you never even knew if he was going to show up or not. And remember when Phil just gave him like a month off and then he came back and was pulling down like 20 boards like he never left. He was the most fascinating person uh, growing up and still is and still is. So I'm going and I'm hanging out with Dennis Rodman. We'll be, you know, uh, doing Jaeger bombs and, and Vegas bombs with Carmen Electra and Jenny McCarthy. The entire cast is singled out 1997. Chris Hardwick. Let's get weird. All right, you know what? I'm actually going to change my answer. I'm going to go with Rob Brown, damn it. Rob Brown would be the most... Okay, maybe not. Rob, you're very Bobby interesting. Brown but I don't Rob know if Brown. I, would you I, would, I don't know if I would take you, Rob, over Aaron Rodgers is the most interesting person to sit down with the Super Bowl. But Rob Brown does jump on with us. Bet for the cycle. Bet QL. The fan upstate. If you had to pick somebody, Rob, that you'd love to sit down with and talk to at the Super Bowl, hang out with, go and you know have a night together, who would that person be? Uh, I'm going to go with Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the Saints, so I can figure out exactly why the hell we're keeping Dennis Allen when everybody else was available. I know that's like a waste of a really good opportunity, but it feels important to me right now, damn it. Oh, my God, Rob. What a bad answer. Just a terrible, terrible answer. There's so many other people you could want to be with, and yet that's the one that you choose. Uh, I would be remiss to not ask you some football news-related questions. Were you, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked are you that it's Dan Quinn now coaching the Commanders in what's supposed to be a new era? Uh, very. Like, I, I get – I understand – there have been retread coaches that have succeeded, right? I get it. And, and, and obviously the, the one that everybody wants to point to is Bill Belichick. But I watched the Atlanta Falcons up close when Dan Quinn was there, and they weren't good, right? And it wasn't like they weren't good and it was a roster thing like Carolina. It's not like they weren't good and they're just a piece away like a couple of other teams. It's like they weren't good. The roster wasn't good. The tactics weren't good. They fell apart in every big spot they found themselves in. And I was actually really optimistic 
for Washington, right? You finally get Dan Snyder out. You got a new owner who seems like he actually gives a damn, which is a nice change of pace. I was really excited about the direction that the Washington commanders want to go. Maybe we even finally get the rebrand to the Washington football team that we all want and deserve. No. And they go with no. – I know, I did that just for you. I did it just for you. I knew that. I'm going to do it every week for as long as y'all keep having me on because it's You're my new worst. favorite thing. Yeah, I know. I Listen, I have a fiancé. I get told that more than once a day, buddy. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's an awful decision. And, I, man, if I'm a Washington Commanders fan today – I am not that this is any different from the last decade and a half, but very disappointed. Rob Corbin Burns has been traded from the Milwaukee Brewers. He is now a Baltimore Oriole. Talk to me. What is what does this do for you? What does this do for the Baltimore Orioles? Are we playing Oriole futures? You already know we're doing nothing with the Yankees in the AL East. Um, what is what does this do for Baltimore here? Obviously, like Corbin Burns, a couple years removed from winning the NL Cy Young, I'm actually kind of shocked that a deal got done before uh, the deadline here. I love this. I love this. Uh, Decker and I agreed that this team, young team, fun to watch team, exciting team, but it, going into this off season, the the Orioles had three needs. Right, the first need that they had was pitching. The second need that they had was uh, pitching. And the third need, do any of you guys want to take a guess what the third need the Orioles was? New ownership. Okay, fine. But we're also going to go pitching. All right? We're going to go pitching (laughs) one, two, three. Listen, this team is is deep. It's got a a lot of young talent. Uh, It's got a lot of young talent that is locked up for a very long time. But outside of a couple of guys like Bradish, you had – Yet you had a lack of depth, and you could see deeper in the season that that kind of banged you up a little bit. Corbin Burns is interesting. He's a guy that Deck and I and, and Mario, we laugh about this every Saturday. We love every Saturday that Corbin's, Corbin Burns pitches. We call it fake Corbin, uh, Corbin Burns that because this is a dude that for whatever reason, he's always going to go over on the hits allowed prop. He's always going to go over the runs allowed prop, but he still wins games. Like it's, 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 it's fascinating. And I think in that division, that's kind of what you need because I, I really do think I agree with you. I'm not jumping on the Yankees for any futures props, but I got to imagine there's a, a locker room renaissance in New York, because if not, it's going to be the most hilarious thing in the world. Uh, Boston made the move with Atlanta not too long ago. They are stacking the middle infield and are going to be a good middle lineup kind of team. You need a Corbin Burns in, in order to win this division. I actually really like this move for Baltimore. There were a few other teams I thought were in the mix. Honestly, I thought Atlanta was going to be in that mix because Atlanta's trying to upgrade the pitching but not spend a billion dollars to do it. Baltimore just grabbed one of the better pitchers in the game, a guy that can play through uh, a game where he's given up contact and create a lot of small ball, create a lot of ground uh, infield ground balls. I think that's perfect for how the rest of the AL East is stacked. I actually really like this move for Baltimore. Rob, given this breaking news now, uh, it just feels like things have changed for the Orioles in that organization and the trajectory there where you have new ownership coming in. You now add Corbin Burns. Uh, they're 14-1 to to win the World Series, 8-1 to to win the NL, the AL. Uh, but uh, when I 
when I look at this team, I think of ownership not too long ago and all the young talent they have saying, oh, well, you know, we're not going to be able to keep all this. So just never, they're tempering everybody's expectations, pouring water on their fire and being a complete buzzkill, one of the worst ownership groups in sports. That's now going to be gone. Do we now look at the Orioles as a team that could be a perennial contender in the American League and just in baseball in general moving forward? I mean, if you have the most optimistic viewpoint, yeah, right? Like, if you are optimistic mm-hmm. that the new ownership is going to get it right, if you're optimistic by having guys like Cal involved, that, that they're going to actually give a damn about competition as opposed to just wringing as many pennies out of that franchise as possible, then, yeah, everything about the team on paper, everything about the team in terms of the, the, the lineup with adding uh, Corbin Burns to the rotation. I'll be shocked if Baltimore's done. Like, there's still more names out there that they might be able to go grab. Everything about this team on paper, specifically the youth, says that they can make a run. Because if you, if you keep this team together, this feels to me – very Atlanta Braves like four years ago, right, when they were really kind of just getting going with that young core lineup they have. They signed all these guys. They got them under, under program control for a number of years, and now all of a sudden Atlanta's built an incredible young core lineup. I get the same vibe out of Baltimore right now. And you look at Boston, you look at New York, you look at Toronto, these are aging rosters. They're good rosters. But they're aging rosters, so I think if you want to have the most optimistic view you can about Baltimore, you can say they kind of copied what Atlanta did. They did a good job of bringing guys up through the system to be ready to play Baltimore baseball when they got there. Now they have at least partially addressed what I thought was the biggest need this offseason. To me, yeah, I, I think if the ownership, if the new group comes in, and it truly is about winning. It truly is about success and not about just having an investment play toy. This team roster-wise is built to be not just the best team in the AL East, but like this year and for the next few years upcoming, unless Boston or New York or Toronto goes, we got to blow up what we have and do something different. This team's absolutely built uh, the, the the way that they need to be to be a divisional contender for like years to go. Rob Brown, the fan upstate, bet for the cycle. Great to talk to you as always, buddy. Pleasure as always, guys. See y'all next week. It's it's crazy to think too. I mean, we're looking at Dan Snyder. Despite what we want to say about the coaching hire in Washington, Dan Snyder's gone. I mean, the Angelos family's gone for the Orioles. It's it's crazy. Like these are bad owners that are getting pushed out or willing to sell. This is it. If you have a bad owner, guys, that runs your organization, you're held hostage until they're out. So to see them gone for any team, it should give hope to any other fan base that has a really bad owner running the damn thing. Bet MGM the night. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. This time next week, we're going to be in Vegas on site for the big game. BetQL Network going to bring you all the shows and all kinds of stuff, a lot of social things. We went over all the behind the scenes stuff we're going to be doing next week in Vegas. Maybe some food tasting, maybe some makeovers for PJ. I don't know. 
There's some rumors of this stuff going on here. Lots of guests showing up to the set. Our own special spot right there at the BetMGM Sportsbook at Mandalay Bay, right in the center of everything. That's where we're going to be, guys. And maybe we'll get more breaking news like Corbin Burns going to the Orioles. That trade just went down. Joel Embiid's got a torn meniscus. That's bad news. But, you know, the NBA trade deadline's on Tuesday. So, hey, there's a chance we could have maybe the Sixers getting aggressive at the deadline and doing something sort of like Trista when the Suns last year traded for Kevin Durant. We're all sitting around a fire hanging out after the shows. We all just sit there and go, Kevin Durant to the Suns, and then everybody just panicked. Yeah, dude. I mean, it happened at like, I think, 1 in the morning, East Coast time. My phone was blowing up. I had a bunch of friends calling over and over and over again to say, hey, Kevin Durant's a son, <laughs> which kind of came out of the blue. We talked about him wanting to go there and Matt Ishbia being a new owner and maybe wanting to do something with big balls, and he did that. Um, and now we're a year removed from that. And the Suns have been really, really, really good when they're all three together. Yeah, they have. And they're going to be a dangerous team if they're able to stay healthy. Just like my Los Angeles Clippers. I think that's like, those are going to be the teams that give the Nuggets a run for the for their money. But man, like we talked about this. We talk about this all the time. Like Denver's still that team in the West. I mean, I know I have the Clippers futures, but that was because we were getting 18 to 1 prices. We were never going to get that with the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, for them, man, it just comes down to you need Jokic and you need Jamal Murray. I, I like the role players. Like I like Aaron Gordon. I obviously like Michael Porter Jr. But how many games did they win in the playoffs last year where he was like 3 for 14 from the floor? So um, it's going to be so fun. And then we look at the East. The East is kind of like the NFC, right? And the West is kind of like the AFC, where you have Mahomes and Herbert, because you have all these top teams. And then we have these wild card teams that we all like, like T likes Sacramento a lot. We all like OKC. You know, we're all kind of falling in love with this Minnesota team. And they're all really good regular season teams. And they could be good postseason teams, especially Minnesota, you know. Um, but. It's it's you don't know until you get there in the NBA and in the NBA I just feel like you have to lose a couple of years before you could win but that's the way I look at it man yeah. is like the East is Boston Milwaukee maybe Philadelphia now with this Embiid injury news you don't feel as good about them so maybe Cleveland's a sleeper team to circle and then of course the Heat are always around when we get to the playoffs but in the West it's packed and you could legitimately I think make the case for like six teams uh, if they stay healthy if they stay right. I mean, it's just, listen, it's the, the NBA is the type of thing where one injury can change the trajectory of your entire season because it's a star-driven league. It's But same way in the NFL where, you know, quarterback will dictate the success of your career or your season, right? Where injury to a quarterback, look at where the Bengals were. Even though Jake Browning ended up really filling that spot well for the Bengals, it, you had a Joe Burrow situation where he wasn't healthy at the beginning of the year. They had to make up ground as they've done the last couple of seasons, but they just weren't able to do that this time around. I do. I haven't had a chance to get to this Ryan yet because you said something earlier. We've had back-to-back -back guests. You really truly believe that the Cliff Kingsbury hire as an offensive coordinator for the Raiders, Cliff Kingsbury is a better yeah. hire than Dan Quinn in Washington. Yeah. Him just to go there and call plays. He doesn't have to be the head coach. He's just calling plays. And this isn't like my endorsement of Cliff Kingsbury. With all due respect, I think he's kind of a doofus too. But yeah, like Dan Quinn just doesn't move the needle. I was so excited about the commander's job, man. I was I was on local radio here in Washington, D.C. Even on my off day on a Saturday. That's how excited I was because I thought, it was going to be a done deal. And I always say there's no such thing as locks, but I thought Ben Johnson with the quarterback in this draft of his choosing 
other than probably Caleb Williams, who's going number one overall to the Chicago Bears, but he would have his choice of Jaden Daniels or Drake May. You know, and if you have to choose a young quarterback, I want to do it this year if I have to have a rookie quarterback on a rookie mm-hmm. deal. I don't want to take my chances next year with who? Quinn Ewers, uh, Shador Sanders. I mean, I really like Shador, don't get me wrong, but this is the year if you need a quarterback. Now, maybe he wants an established quarterback. Maybe if you're Ben Johnson, you're thinking – Mike McCarthy's back in Dallas. He's one playoff exit, one wild card exit uh, away from being fired. Maybe Nick Sirianni gets fired. Maybe Philadelphia gets bounced in the wild card again, and then he gets one of those jobs. I don't know what Ben Johnson is thinking, to be honest. Maybe he just really wants to run it back in Detroit. Maybe he doesn't think that he's capable of being a head coach. But I was so excited for this commander's job, and now you're just bringing in Dan Quinn. Unless they knock it out of the park with this offensive coordinator hire, I thought they would I thought they should have went with an offensive-minded head coach because you have the number two pick and you're taking quarterback. But, uh, yeah. I, you like this hire, man? I mean, you're the Commanders fan. I, I It doesn't do it for me. It doesn't. I would rather have Mike so, Kafka. So, so here's the thing. Dan Quinn was never like somebody that was overly excited about. It felt like a backup plan. It turns out, I talked to a couple people today, and it sounds like this was, he was maybe second or third on their list. So it's not like they were like, God, nobody else wants this job. Hey, Dan, I would call him up like, hey, man, do you want the job? Nobody else wants this. That was not the case at all. Uh, I got to credit Mark Schlereth because he said something earlier today that's kind of made his rounds around social media, uh, is that Ben Johnson essentially behind the scenes had told a few people, that really the only job that he wanted was the Chargers job and Justin Herbert. So this is now back-to-back seasons where Ben Johnson has been in the hiring market and interviewed for jobs more this year as a head coach than even last year. And then he decided to look around and go, nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm going to go back to Detroit. It's hard to leave your comfort zone, and it's hard to leave a place where you're looked at with in high regard and where you're successful and where you know – You're in that comfort zone, and you can do what you've done year after year after year, week after week after week, and you're going to know that you've got that ability to be successful every single week. I am convinced that Ben Johnson is just not truly confident enough in himself yet to be a head coach in the NFL. It's one thing to be an offensive coordinator. It's one thing to call plays, and it's another to also have that with a veteran quarterback and a lot of weapons like you have in Detroit. And if it's true that he only wanted to really go to the Chargers, well, you've got an established quarterback in Justin Herbert, and you've got a bunch of weapons there at wide receiver. Some good, some always hurt, like Mike Williams, but the case is you have that there. Ben Johnson doesn't sound like the type of guy that wants to go in and rebuild the team from scratch. So even though he may have been Washington's number one choice, and a lot of teams' number one choice because he's a great offensive mind. And I said this before on the show. Like It's not like I haven't said this before. I looked at him as the best offensive candidate that was out there. But we don't know what yeah. he's like as an actual head coach. There's a lot more to sure. it. So to me, I look at this and say, Ben Johnson doesn't have the confidence in himself right now to be a head coach. So I don't want him as a head coach. Am I ecstatic about Dan Quinn? No. But this may also be a situation where – Come in, establish the culture. You got to have a good staff in terms of assistants and coordinators around you. The key here is that Washington got the number one general manager candidate in Adam Peters. And we know this, right? If you've got a great general manager that can identify talent, look at the Texans, anything is possible with that. 
I'm not ecstatic about the Dan Quinn situation, but at least I know one thing. It's going to sabotage the Cowboys, and maybe Micah Parsons is telling the truth, and he's going to leave and follow him to Washington. Because we'll welcome you, Micah. We'll welcome Micah Parsons to D.C. with open arms if that's the case. Yeah, I think it's, though, one of those scenarios, too, where it's like, if I'm one of the best, most coveted coordinators in the league, then I kind of want to set my own terms a little bit. I want to have a team that I think I can succeed the best with. I want to be able Mm -hmm. to get the money that I want to get. And especially considering that the alternative is a team that could probably go to the Super Bowl in a very weak NFC, right? If this is a team that can, let's be honest, beat the hell up out of the San Francisco 49ers for three quarters of football, essentially. Like this is a team that if you keep things can like some continuity and Ben Johnson's the key to that. Mm -hmm. Ryan even said that, and you get even better defensively, my stock's only going to go up. So if I'm confident in myself, I'm not going to take the first job that's available. Even if the commanders seem like a good up and coming place, I'm going to want to go to a place that feels ready made for me to just step in and take the team to the next level. Like, I don't know the Dallas Cowboys. Like, my issue with this hire, right, is this seems kind of like your, like, bridge coach. This seems like the Lovey yeah. Smith hire yeah. for the Texans, right? Like, we are still not ready to win, but let's get a guy with some experience in here that's not going to just, like, completely destroy the culture. Although, like, with Washington, man, you need somebody to come in there and completely change the culture. And with a new ownership yeah. group, it's different for them, really, than any other team because we know – we don't know fully like what Dan Snyder was up to, but we got a pretty good idea. I mean, Nick, you know like better than most because you covered the team and whatnot mm-hmm. and have been here locally, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good stuff. So you just want to completely um, like wipe away that stench. And I don't know. I, I just wanted it to be a bigger hire. But who knows, like maybe in two years, three years, they'll get their guy. Or who knows, like maybe maybe Dan is the guy and he just needs the right offensive coordinator, the right guy to bring in uh, his offense. And, and we'll see how it goes. Cause even though they're going to get their quarterback with the number two pick, that's still a really bad offensive line and a really good, uh, really bad pass defense. So it's probably going to take some time anyway to rebuild this thing. That's the thing. They've got a lot of stuff they need to do. I mean, that offensive line was one of the worst in the NFL. We joke about the defense being a slump buster every single week for offenses, and that's the case. So if Dan Quinn's calling the defense, that's going to be a major plus for them. But it also comes down to, yeah, who the offensive coordinator is. There are reports that Clint Kubiak, the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, his obvious connection with Adam Peters, who was in the 49ers organization. It could be Clint Kubiak coming over to be the offensive coordinator. I'll take anybody that's a part of that 49ers offensive coaching staff across the board. So if you start bringing in young offensive minds to be on that offensive staff, then that changes things. And Dan Quinn is more of the, I'll focus on calling the defense. I'll be the CEO. I'll kind of run everything and create that culture where it may just be a bridge coach for a few years. This team's got a long way to go. I know you can go worse to first in the NFL kind of quickly sometimes, but this is a front office that said, we're going to do this the right way and we're going to take our time doing it. So I'd rather have that than Dan Snyder there. I promise you, it's a much better situation than where we are right now. I hope so. I hope so. For your sake. And listen, you're in the air. Uh, well, <laughs> you're in the area. You got to at least deal with it a little bit. But yeah, I, listen, it, it can't. I say this because I've seen I'm in the Maryland, bottom of the barrel. So I claim the Ravens. Although, do I oh, no, how dare you? You're not allowed. No, no, you can't do that. You drive and work into D.C. That's very, very different.
All right, we'll talk to Kevin Sheehan, getting to some uh, Super Bowl props, betting, also what happened with the coaching hire, what's next for Washington, rest of the NFC East as well. Bet MGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM, live from BetQL.